Well, God loves the world. Amen. Our God is a missionary God who went to great lengths and crossed unimaginable barriers to come and embody the message that he wanted us to get. So we thank God for that. And uh, what we're discovering here at New Life is that as that gospel message drops from our head into our hearts, we're going to hear the call of God to join him on his mission. Our guest speaker today is uh, Rich Mendola, and Rich is a great brother. He's the head of a wonderful ministry called IFI, International Friendships, uh, down on the campus of the Ohio State University. And uh, he's got a great word for us today. He's been involved ministering in a Christian context to international students for 32 years. He's married. He has six children. And uh, he's going to be coming in just a moment to speak to us today. So good to be with you today. And I'm excited to see what God is doing through you. And I want to thank you for the partnership that you have with many, including international friendships. And today I believe that God has prepared a message for you to stimulate your faith and to encourage you. Uh, let me share with you a couple stories to begin. First about my friend Yu here on the left who comes from Taiwan. She came to study at Ohio State University um, from the country of Taiwan. She came as a strong Buddhist. She had not ever encountered uh, Christians in, in a personal way. And when she came, she was met at the airport by a, a family that invited her to come and stay for a few days in their home. And while she was there, the first meal, they held hands around the table and they prayed and they thanked God for the food and they thanked God for bringing her into their home. And they prayed that God would bless her during her time in the United States. And as she was there experiencing that prayer, something happened in her heart. She said it was the first time she heard someone pray personally to God. And she was so touched that she decided that she wanted to know more about this God that they were praying to. So she decided to join a Bible study group. And through that Bible study group, God touched her heart. And she came, became a follower of Jesus. Today, she's involved in a ministry of sharing Christian literature in mainland China. Hospitality was the key that opened the door to her heart. And I want to tell you about my friend Abdul here in the middle. He came also to the United States to study from the country of Afghanistan. And as many internationals do, he had to leave his family behind, his wife and children. And so while he was here, he was very lonely and uh, he was struggling with a lot of issues. And so when he received an invitation from an American Christian family to join him on a Sunday, he was very happy. Uh, they invited him to church and he wasn't that interested in church, but he did want to spend time with his family, so he went. And after the church service, he discovered that they invited him to their home for a meal. And around the meal, they had a rich time of sharing, and he stayed the afternoon in their home. And so the next week, when they invited him to come, he wondered if the same thing would happen. He went to the church service, and again, they invited him to their home. And he enjoyed that so much that he decided that every time they invited him, he would go. And it became a weekly activity in his life. And slowly, he began to listen to the message that he heard in the church. And having never met a Christian in his country and having been introduced to the Bible for the first time, he made a momentous decision to follow Jesus Christ in his life. God eventually used Abdul to translate the Bible into the Dari language, the home language in Afghanistan. Hospitality was the key that opened the door to his life. And so today, I want to share with you 
about the blessing of hospitality, a, a blessing for international students, a blessing for you, and a blessing for the nations of this world. And so let's go ahead and pray that God will indeed speak to us. Lord, uh, I pray today that you would teach us through your word how to practice hospitality. And Lord, did you show us where we need to change in our lives? Because, Lord, the, the reality is that many of us have difficulty putting this into practice in our lives, and we need your help. So we pray you'd, you'd break open our hearts today, that we could see very clearly what your will is for us, and that we would have an eagerness to do it. And Lord, would you help us to overcome every obstacle? And Lord, would you increase our faith so that we can step out and do with you the things that you're doing? Lord, come and have your way through your word today in our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the text that I'd like to share from this morning is a very simple one, Hebrews 13:2, which says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now, this text was originally written to a group of people who were suffering under pressure and under persecution, and they were, God was wanting to encourage them in their lives to endure and to persevere, but he also wanted them not to give up living the normal Christian life. That in the midst of all the challenges and difficulties they were facing, the confiscation of sometimes their goods, the, um, the times that they were even being beaten, God says, here is what it looks like for you to follow me. And he tells them, don't forget to practice hospitality. Now the question is, does that apply to us in our situation? Is this a call of God for Christians in America in this century? Well, if we compare the whole New Testament teaching about what the normal Christian life looks like, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we will discover that hospitality is a vital part of Christian living, that it's, it's a normative thing, it is indispensable. We can see this through other texts like Romans 12:13, which says very clearly, practice hospitality. We can see this in 1 Peter 4:9, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And we see it also in the texts that tell us what the requirements are for church leaders. It says if you want to be a church leader, if you want to be an elder or a deacon, what God wants to have in your life is hospitality. It's there in the list because church leaders are intending to model and to show forth what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And God said it is indispensable for church leaders to practice hospitality. And so when we see this, and when we see texts like Matthew 25, when the righteous are being commended for what type of life they lived, and in that list Jesus says, I was a stranger and you invited me in, we'll see that God places a high priority. He, he wants us to have this as a part of our lifestyle question is, is it part of our lifestyle? Is it something that we are practicing? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to ask, what does it mean to show hospitality? What does hospitality look like? Now, in the text itself, it tells us on later that some people have entertained angels. So is there a difference between hospitality and entertainment? Uh, I know that in some of the versions it even says, don't forget or don't neglect to entertain strangers. So sometimes this, this problem is with words is it conjures up uh, images that are not biblical images. Uh, one of the people who is an advocate of entertainment is Martha Stewart. And Martha Stewart is teaching people how to prepare gourmet meals and how to fix your home and, 
and how to get things just, you know, looking so neat. Uh, let me share with you something that Martha Stewart talked about, how to have a special holiday. She said, well, the, the place to begin is by making your own wrapping paper for gifts, just like Martha Stewart does. Whenever possible, we like to decorate our packages from nature. We have found that leaves dipped in metallic paint make particularly beautiful trimmings and can also be used to make wrapping paper. She uses gilded twigs, pepper berries, and tiny pine cones as package trims. And she uses fresh and dried bay leaves, Gaelic leaves, and lemon leaves when making her wrapping paper. Some of you, of course are saying, wow, that sounds really great. Or some of you are saying, what is wrapping paper? I just use Kroger bags. <laughs> well, <laughs> and uh, let's learn from her about how to make a, a great meal that will really be outstanding. She says, have you ever thought of making wild mushroom and leek beggar's purses tied with leek ribbon and garnished with thyme? N- no, I never thought about that. But um, <clears throat> she says, here's another little dish that you can make. Dainty speckled pears that are poached in white wine and robed in caramel sauce just before serving. As Martha says, they are delicious with gingerbread and small enough to tempt even a person with a small appetite. When you are decorating your house for the holidays, you won't want to forget to make your copper cookie tree. Martha writes, to decorate my parlor, I make a boxwood topiary by sticking small branches of boxwood into grapevine-covered cones of heavy wire. Uh, You could make the same thing by using chicken or rabbit wire, she she suggests. You know, just in case you have some rabbit wire hanging around your house. Uh, The cookies are prepared from gingerbread. Copper leaf is then applied to each cookie. She really loves that metal leaf stuff. Uh, The copper-covered cookies are then hung amidst the boxwood with little hooks and the completed tree is placed on my 18th century tilt-top table in the parlor. Now, if you don't have an 18th century tip-top table, you can place the copper cookie tree on your bookshelf that's placed onto, you know, the the concrete blocks in your room. So, (laughs) now, how do you feel about that description? Is that, like, really motivating to you? Are are you really excited by that? Say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Of course, she has 700 assistants to help her out, you know, prepare all this stuff. But hey, if that's what hospitality is, who wants to do that? I mean, I think that's why she ended up in prison, you know? Because uh, people just couldn't handle it. That is not what God is calling us to do. I mean, hey, if you enjoy that stuff, that's great. But that is not what God is saying. It's not about impressing people with how we prepare a gourmet meal. It's not about how neat our house looks. It's not about whether or not we we have things all in order. Let me give you a simple definition of hospitality from the Bible. Hospitality is sharing who we are and what we have for the benefit and the inclusion of of strangers. Now, I'll talk more about the strangers part, but it's, it's not complicated. It's just saying, I'm willing to offer what I have and, and who I am and, and invite other people into my space to include them with where I am so they can feel loved. They can feel part of my family and they can be refreshed and encouraged. That's what hospitality is all about. And we should um, realize that if that's the case... We can all do this. Now the challenge when we see this definition of hospitality is to have our hearts examined, to say, do we have room in our heart to include someone else? Are we 
willing to be open enough that other people can see us as we are and offer what we are. Now, we're all in process. You know that living the Christian life, if we wait until we're perfected, we can't serve anybody. We have to show people who we are in process and show how Jesus is with us in that process. And hospitality, therefore, is not about showing how good we are or or how we have everything together. Hospitality is about saying, whatever I have, I make available to you. So how can we learn what hospitality looks like? Well, the scripture here says, some have entertained angels. Who are these some? Some of them are, uh, one of the stories is about Abraham in Genesis 18. I'd like to look at that with you to unpack a little bit more what does it mean to show hospitality. The story in Genesis 18, starting in verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the, of the fine flour, knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set them before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. So let's look at what Abraham does. Well, first of all, notice that when these strangers show up, when is it? It's in the heat of the day. It's in the middle of the day when a siesta time is. That's why Abraham is resting by the entrance to his tent. He doesn't feel like doing anything. And yet, when he sees these strangers, he leaps up and he says, Come, come into my home. And the reality is, in order to practice hospitality, many times it's inconvenient. Many times it doesn't take place when we would prefer it to take place. In other words, it's not something, if you're going to practice it, you do when you have this whole block of free time or when it just seems like a good time. Hospitality as a lifestyle is going to have to be lived out in the course of of the the mess of our lives and in the course of the times when it doesn't seem like we have much space. And yet Abraham makes space and he does it eagerly. He does it cheerfully. And he recognizes what the needs are of these people. He says, let me provide some water for your refreshment. Let me provide some food for you so that you can be encouraged. And so Abraham uh, provides what they, what they need. And also notice that he considers it an honor to have these people with him. He says, oh, if I found favor in your sight, please come into my home. You know, I, I know the people who come into the home are honored. I know that whenever I am invited to someone's home, I feel honored that they would include me close enough to invite me into their home. But in this case, it says the people who offer the hospitality feel honored because they feel like if you accept my invitation, you're showing that you are willing to accept what I have. You're willing to accept me. And we ought to have that attitude too. That is a good thing. We are honored when people accept our hospitality. Now, Sharing food, that like Abraham did here, is an essential part, I think, of showing hospitality, sharing food. And if we do that, then we need to see that the benefit of eating together meals. We all have to eat, right? 
And the uh, idea if we can include someone while we're eating and let them feel a part with us that this is a great thing. You know, meals slow things down. The reality is, I, this is a countercultural message that I'm giving you. Because the study of American life tells us that meals in America have lost much of the significance that they used to have in prior generations. We need to restore mealtime in America. Uh, the average amount of time spent on a meal in America is 20 minutes for dinner. The number of people who eat meals without communication is significant. That is, we watch TV instead of talking. Maybe that's you. If you watch TV while you eat your dinner instead of talking, I would encourage you to shut the TV off. But the, the um, amount of meals eaten together as a family has decreased. The hospitality as practiced in prior generations in America has decreased significantly. And so that means we have to push back now. We have to recognize, okay, we are in a culture that doesn't encourage and practice hospitality. But we, who are the people of God, who say if this is what God calls us to, let us push back, let us be countercultural, let us live the lifestyle now. And part of that is going to be reestablishing meals as a time of fellowship and eating together. Uh, meals are the place where stories can be told, where we can talk about what's going on in our lives. Meals are the place where strangers do become friends. Uh, meals are the place where we break down barriers that exist, especially when there are people coming from different backgrounds and we get to learn about their experiences and learn to love them. Uh, meals picture the gospel. You know, when Jesus lived his life. If you read through the book of Luke, he's going from one meal to another. And part of the issue in the book of Luke is who he eats with. The Pharisees did not like the fact that he ate with sinners. But his eating with sinners was a picture of the gospel showing that he was including them, he was welcoming them into God's kingdom, that he was forgiving them. And this was good news for them. And whenever we open our home to someone who is different than ourselves, to strangers we are going to give some picture to them of the gospel, that, that there is a God in heaven who is inviting us to a great banquet he's preparing. That there is a God who said, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you can also be. And I'm going to serve you at the table, it says in Luke 15. That's going to be incredible. That at that great banquet in the kingdom of God, that Jesus is going to come and serve us a meal. That's exciting. He says, I'm going to be hospitable to you. I'm welcoming you. That's the spirit behind us when we say come into my home I want to share with you we are picturing the gospel Amen. so if that's the case then we ought to learn how to prepare and cook a meal now some of you are, are bad cooks I know that <laughs> but I got good news for you one good news is I'm going to tell you that one of the ways to practice hospitality is with international students and they do not know how American food is supposed to taste okay <laughs> So you can be a bad cook, and they'll say, oh, this is really good. <laughs> Another thing is probably all of us can learn to cook one dish. You know, uh, I can cook spaghetti. And, you know, spaghetti is not hard to cook, and especially if you used canned sauce. You know, don't make your own sauce. And my international friends, when I cook spaghetti, they say, oh, this is a, this is a great meal. How did you cook this? And I said, well, it takes a lot of skill and preparation to make this meal. You know? <laughs> uh, another food I like to cook is meatloaf. And most of my international friends have never cooked meatloaf. 
So they think it's some secret recipe. But, uh, you know, some simple food that you can make, lentils and rice, beans and rice, macaroni and cheese, you could get one food that you could know how to cook. And so when someone comes over, you could say, yeah, I can, I can make that dish. So we can learn how to cook a meal. Now, Abraham shows us what good hospitality looks like. Welcoming, he provides food, and then he provides a space for conversation. But let's take a look at a contrast that we see in the scripture in Luke chapter 10 about how not to do hospitality. And I think it's instructive for us because it again reveals our heart. Some of us are like the person in this story, why we have difficulty with hospitality. It's found in Luke 10 verses 38 to 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So for Martha, inviting Jesus into her home was a stressful experience. It wasn't enjoyable for Martha. Here, here Jesus was in her home, and what's she experiencing? She's getting upset. She's getting worried. She's like getting angry. She's not enjoying Jesus there. Now, for some of us, the reason why we don't like to practice hospitality is because it stresses us out to have someone in our home. We're like, ah! <laughs> right? Some of us are Martha's. But do you think Jesus came to Martha's home and he was going to like rate her cooking? You know? Martha, you only get an eight today. Oh, you're really bad. Bad host. No, Jesus didn't come there to rate Martha's cooking. He didn't come there to see how good of a housekeeper Martha was. That's not Jesus. Jesus came there for a relationship and Mary understood that. And Mary was sitting there learning from Jesus. He was bringing the meal, you know. If, if Martha had not cooked the meal, Jesus could have taken some bread and multiplied it. He could have served the meal. He did that for 5,000 people once. He's a great host. So we need to learn from Martha how not to do it, how not to get stressed out, how not to lose our focus, that at the heart of hospitality is relationships with people. That's what it's all about. Another um, picture of hospitality, we find, we find lots of pictures of hospitality in the scripture. We can learn how to do it. Now, one of the keys in this verse 2, it tells us to show hospitality to strangers. Now, why did it tell us to strangers? Actually, the Greek word that is translated show hospitality is uh, listed on your little outline there. It's uh, philia xenia which literally means lover of strangers. That's what God says hospitality is. He says it is to love strangers. Now, more specifically, a stranger is not simply someone that you don't know, but throughout the Bible, this word stranger is translated in different ways. Sometimes it's translated foreigner, sometimes sojourner, sometimes alien. In other words, specific in this word stranger is the idea of someone who is foreign-born, someone who has been moved from one culture to another, that God has in his heart for his people to have a special openness and interest in serving cultural outsiders so they can come in and learn 
to fear and love God as well. That is a, a tremendous thing that we can learn about hospitality is that it's different than practicing fellowship. Now, fellowship is really important. It also is an essential. It is something that we are to live out as brothers and sisters caring for one another. That's why Hebrews 13.1, the verse before this one, says keep loving each other as, uh, keep loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep doing that. Don't give that up. That is the normative thing. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. You know, be in relationship with one another. But then God is, is warning us, or he's, he's putting a, a balancing truth here. He says, don't just do that. Keep on doing it. But also practice hospitality. Include strangers in. Be open enough to receive people who are culturally different, that need a place of belonging, that need a family. You welcome them in. We see this in the other texts that speak about hospitality as well. If we go back to the text in Romans 12:13 that I quoted earlier, the whole text says, share with God's people who are in need. There's the fellowship aspect. There's the, the, the way that we relate to one another. We share in one another's needs. But then it says, practice hospitality. So if we really want to live out the Christian life, we need to do both of these things. 1 Peter 4, 8, 9 also shares in that same balance. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. We can also see uh, in Deuteronomy this passionate love that God has that's supposed to be expressed through his people in hospitality. Deuteronomy 10, 18, and 19, speaking about God, it says, He gives justice to the fatherless and widows. He loves foreigners and gives them food and clothing. You too must love foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in the land of Egypt. So God references their own difficulty. You know, when they were in Egypt as strangers, were they treated well? They were enslaved. They were looked down upon. They were mistreated. And God says, you're not to be like that. You're not to to repeat that bitter experience. Instead, you're to convey my attitude, which is to love them and treat them as someone who's native-born. Love them as yourself, for I am the Lord your God. Now this view that God has of his people loving strangers, of having a heart to see that, that this is the means by which the gospel is going to flow and impact people's lives is throughout the scripture. But I want to highlight for you just how in the book of Acts, that when God was including the individual stories of people who came to Christ, how many of those stories were about people who were reached away from home? We see that starting in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, when God had assembled people from all the nations, when Peter stood up and preached that first gospel message, and then they were incorporated and trained in small groups. We see in Acts chapter 8 the story of a man who traveled from Ethiopia, a far way away, to seek for God. And there on the desert road, God sent Philip to share with him the good news, and they sat together in the chariot. And then Acts 10, we have the story of Cornelius, a a Roman soldier stationed away from home in Caesarea. And God calls Peter to go to his home where they could eat together. And you know, Peter didn't think that was such a good idea to eat together. If you know in Acts chapter 10, he said, Lord, I don't sit with Gentiles and eat what they have to offer because I don't want to get contaminated. And God said, don't have that attitude, Peter. And so God brought Peter to Cornelius. And Cornelius and his family believed. And then Acts 16 is a wonderful story about Lydia, a woman from Asia Minor, from Thyatira, who was away from home in Philippi. And God sent Paul to her 
so she could hear the gospel. And Paul himself, he left his home as an international student. He was from Tarsus, and he came to Jerusalem to study under Gamaliel. And there, when the Lord appeared to him on the, the, the road to Damascus, he then sent Ananias to him to pray for him. And so in each case, God sends people away from home and then sends his people to them. And in many cases, hospitality is going to be the key. And today in Columbus, Ohio, God is sending thousands of internationals. They come in, this, in the form of immigrants and refugees, and there's thousands of international students that are here. And these students come from over a hundred different nations. And they come from the least evangelized nations of the world. They come from the countries where they have not met Christians, where they've had little opportunity to hear the gospel, where, where there's persecution and difficulty. And God sends them here to Columbus, Ohio. Why? He sends them here so that Christians can welcome them and love them so they can learn about Jesus Christ. And God is giving us this opportunity to practice biblical hospitality. Now, if we're going to do this, we're going to need to overcome some obstacles. I think that's why God stated it in the negative, do not forget, meaning God was recognizing the tendency we have to not do it. So he's warning us, don't forget this. I think, what are some of the obstacles that we need to, to overcome? Well, I think uh, one thing is, many of us have just become comfortable with our friends that we already have. And in that comfortableness, we just, you know, relax. But God many times calls us to become uncomfortable. And many times, when we take a step of faith, it's definitely uncomfortable because it's causing us to do something new. Like when Peter went to Cornelius' house, that was uncomfortable for him. And for some of you, if you've not done this before, inviting a stranger over, someone from another country into your home, hey, this is going to be a step of faith for you that God is going to honor as you step out. So we need to overcome comfortableness. Uh, secondly, we need to recognize that each of us only have capacity for so many relationships. So, and some of us are capacityed out. You know, how are we going to add another thing in? The, the key here is not to change your schedule but to include someone in what you're already doing. You have to eat. It's just a matter of getting the person there to enjoy the meal with you. You have to go shopping. What about if you pick someone up and spend that time together with them? If you're gardening, if you're painting, um, whatever it is that you can include a stranger with you, that they will feel welcome. You're going, if you have children, and your kids are doing a baseball game or a soccer game, um, why not involve your international friend that you would show hospitality to. So we can overcome this, this capacity limitation. Uh, the third thing is busyness. The reality of the biggest obstacle I found to practicing biblical hospitality is the lifestyle of busyness in America. Now the question we need to ask ourselves is everything we're doing what God wants us to do. We have to step back and do an evaluation to say if I'm not free enough to practice biblical hospitality, is it possible that I'm doing things that God doesn't want me to do? Do I need to simplify? Do I, do I need to downsize? You know, I just, uh, on Friday night, there was a couple, he's a, a lawyer who's involved in our Friday night Bible study with international students, and he told me, Rich, I'm moving this week to a smaller house. I'm downsizing because I want to, to simplify my life so I'll have more free time to serve people. Some of us might need to do that. Whatever it takes to free up some time 
so that we can do hospitality, God would want us to do that. Our next obstacle is fears. You know, sometimes when we're with people who are different than ourselves, we might say, can I communicate? Are they going to like what I do? Is it going to feel, am I going to be able to make the connection? Uh, The reality is that international students who come to study in Columbus, if you invite them to their home, they're going to be far more afraid than you are. They're going to be afraid, can they communicate? They're going to be afraid, am I going to know what to do right? And so we need to overcome our fears, right? The Lord delivers us from all our fears if we turn to Him. And if we see, if we put the focus on what is needed in the life of someone who is coming from the outside and their needs, we'll overcome our fears. Actually, they're just excuses that we make. I'm not a good cook. My house isn't fixed up. I live in a small apartment. I don't have great furniture. I'm just a student. Um, you know, after the early service this morning, someone came up to me and said, Rich, I'm a single guy. I don't cook very well. I've got a small house, and it's messy. He said, but I, I'm so glad I do hospitality with internationals. I thought, wow, this is a poster child, you know. Like, <laughs> I would have had him give the testimony. He says, I'm so blessed in doing it. And, and he's got all the things that would be excuses why people wouldn't want to do it. But he's doing it. Hey, if he can do it, I know others of us can do it. Even when you're not wearing makeup, when your house is in less than perfect shape, when you have kids that are acting up and you've got toys lying around, we still can offer relationship and connection with internationals. So let me say in affection to you. When you think about your house and what it's used for, wouldn't you want to know that your house becomes not just a place for you to live, but a place of refuge, a place of encouragement, a place of refreshment for people who are longing for a friend? I believe that you would want that. Um, so let me talk to you for a moment about the blessings of hospitality. Oh, you know what? I almost forgot something. <laughs> All this good talk about hospitality, I wanted you to hear from my friend, Yuja. Come on up, Yuja. Because she is a good example of what God can do in the life of someone who experiences biblical hospitality. You know, I've told you these stories. I've told you the stories of the the friends that I had, Tayu and Abdul, and we saw the story of Abraham, but I think it's good to hear a personal story from someone whose life was touched, and this is my friend Yuja from China. I'm going to let her share her story. Okay, hello everyone. My name is Yuja, and I grew up in China, Then I went to middle school in Canada and a high school in Boston, and then I studied at the Ohio State University, and I graduated last August. So... Even though you may think I have traveled a lot and moved around so much, but I actually never heard of the gospel before coming to Columbus. So Columbus was definitely a turning point in my life. Now looking back, it's also part of God's plan for my life. Um, During my freshman year, I still remember... You know, the first time I went to IFI, I was really homesick for some authentic Chinese food. 
And at that time, IFI held a Chinese New Year celebration party, so I wanted to go. So I went there. I was really amazed by the hosp hospitality over there. People were so welcoming. They came up to me, talked to me, and later on, we made so so many dumplings together. Immediately, I wasn't homesick anymore. <laughs> And afterwards, I thought、mm, I wanted to participate in more IFI activities. So I went on a Washington D.C. trip. I got a chance to stay with an American host family, and it was actually my first time experiencing real American food. Because even though I lived on campus, you know the dining halls they didn't serve really good food. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and that family, that couple was a.、Uh, Really funny, and they were so loving, so welcoming. So at the dinner table, it gave us a lot of opportunities to talk. I learned so much about the American culture from them. They learned a lot about the Chinese customs from my side. But most importantly, they told me a lot about God. I learned so much from them. How they became Christians. How God changed their lives. And shortly afterwards, it was、uh, winter time, and my dorm closed during winter, so I had no place to stay. But luckily, IFI provided temporary housing. For international students, so I signed up for the program, and then this time I got the chance to go to Medina and stay with the host family for several days. And that family, they have four kids, so we had lots of fun together. They taught me so many different、uh, American games, like、uh, apple to apple, strays, and different ones. <laughs>、uh, they even took me to a candle shop and took me to go sledding during winter. It was really amazing. But what really surprised me the most was their love for God. I later found out during while we were eating dinner that the wife actually just got laid off from her job, but. Even that, like I couldn't see any sadness on their faces. They always had so much joy, so much kindness. I couldn't understand why. So I asked a lot of questions, and their love for God, their hearts for like internationals, really amazed me. That made me really curious about Christianity. So later on, I decided to go join some Bible studies, and after a while, I became Christian in 2009. Just yeah, it's really amazing to see how God put people in my life. To show me hospitality, and because of them, I became curious about God. Became curious about the Bible. So actually, this year I've been doing an internship with IFI. So with the help of IFI and a lot of other American friends,、uh, I have been leading a Bible study group. I also disciple a girl. And learn many effective ways of evangelizing others. Because one day I would like more people around the world to also receive that kind of hospitality that I received from Americans. So I really want to thank you so much for being here.、Uh, your help will mean a lot for those international students who have never heard of the gospel before. So thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Could you see that you would enjoy if you had someone like Yuja over to your home? Wouldn't you have loved to be part of that process that God was working in her life? And there are many other people like her that are just waiting for this type of experience to take place in their lives. You know, the interesting thing about this text is it says, "Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers." For some who have done this. Have entertained angels without knowing it. In other words, there was an unexpected blessing in the life of the person doing the hospitality.、They、didn't say, "Oh, the person who came was blessed." That's true, but God is putting the emphasis on you can experience me in a new way. You can open up the door of possibility for me to encounter in a, in a personal way. And through through the scriptures, we see many stories like this. 
But God is saying he wants to bless us through practicing hospitality. He wants us to encounter him in a way. So let me ask you, are are you wanting a, a more dynamic relationship with God? If you'd like to have new experiences with God, then would you open the possibility in your life by practicing hospitality? That's what God is telling us to do. So I want to give you an opportunity, a practical opportunity, how to get involved with IFI. In your program or bulletin this morning, you'll find this passport, this uh, blue thing. If you could take it out and look at this with me for a moment. Uh, On this card at the bottom are a whole list of different ways of practicing biblical hospitality. Some of them are one-time things, like in your program also talks about a furniture giveaway day that's going to be on August 11th when we collect furniture for international students who don't have anything for their apartments and give it to them. We also take students uh, furniture shopping on that day. I mean, you could do a one-time thing like that. You could come to a welcome dinner. She talked about the um, Chinese New Year celebration. Well, in August, we're going to have a welcome dinner for international students. You could just come to that dinner and provide some food for a one-time thing and see how it goes, see who you meet. But the other thing that's going on is in the next 30 days, there are over a 1,000 international students arriving in Columbus, and six, uh, almost 600 of them have asked IFI if we could provide an airport pickup and temporary housing for three or four days for them. And we have about 300 of those students that are unplaced at this, at this time. And that, that's going to be heartbreaking if somebody who's coming from this, another culture isn't welcomed by the Christian community. So I'm believing that God has many of you that are here today that could do that in some way. Maybe you can even team up with someone. I know some people approached me and said, well, we can provide the house, but we can't provide the transportation. Uh, Maybe that is a group you could do it. But something on here I think you could contribute. You could practice biblical hospitality in one of the ways that's down here. And I'm asking you, just to be open to see what God would say to you, what step of faith you need to take. So let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you so much for your people here at New Life, that, who, that they want to do your will, that they want to make a difference in the world. We see that in so many ways. And I pray, Lord, as you are presenting the challenge to us today to not forget to show hospitality to strangers, Lord, that you would activate a whole new number of people at New Life to engage with international students. Lord, I'm believing that nations are going to change even as it's been demonstrated through the lives of Tayu and Abdul and now Yuja that you are working out your purpose to bless all nations in this way. Lord, I believe that coming today as a result of today in response to your word of God that there are going to be people in the Muslim world and people in the Hindu world and people in China who are going to come to know you because your people practice biblical hospitality. Lord, would you release us into your blessing for this. Lord, give us the strength and courage to go ahead. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.